Welcome to Straight Edge, the podcast. My name is Clive Allwright, and along with my amazing guests and co-hosts, we're going to be having some brutally honest and sometimes confronting conversations around all things of addictive behavior. Now, as it happens, I've been a hairdresser for 37 years, and during my career, I've met many people just like me that have also struggled in the many different areas of addiction. So our main focus of this podcast is to chat with as many people as possible from the hairdressing, barbering, and media industries, along with some pretty smart people that work in the fields of addiction to get a deeper understanding of why so many of us struggle with the balance of family, careers, health, and the day-to-day pressures of life. So if this sounds like an area you'd like to dive deeper into, make a cup of tea, sit back, and listen to Straight Edge, the podcast. Yeah, and a lot of these like medical detoxes that are state-ran, um, the list of, you know, the list, the wait list of people trying to get in is just miles long. Oh, call back Thursday, you know, hopefully they're alive by Thursday. And my family was completely done with me. Um, I just like seeing the look on my mother's face, my little brother's face, like I was an alien. Like right before I got sober, I found myself sitting in a laundry room in San Diego with a bunch of quarters, nowhere to go, no one to call, and I just kept putting quarters into this dryer, trying to stay warm. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Straight Edge, the podcast. We are here once again in our virtual studio, and, you know, we try and start these these podcasts off with a little bit of a chat, an impromptu chat between my hostess, guest hostess with the mostest, Amy. How are you this morning, darling? <laughs> I'm good, but I am hot. It is a hot, hot day. You know what? I was just thinking before we came on, I was making a coffee thinking, well, how am I going to start this episode? And I'm like, you know, I really don't want to talk about the weather because I've done it a lot. And that's what old people do. It's like, you know, you're getting old, love. That's what it is. I know. (laughs) When you grow up in in England, you you go through that natural transition of the four seasons, right? Yeah. As where... As recent times in Australia, I mean, we just don't get mediocre weather, do we? It's no. biblical proportions extreme. Like, I'll give you those listeners outside of Australia. Let me give you some idea of like yesterday. It was forty-three degrees Celsius, which is way above a hundred degrees Fahrenheit for our US friends um, in Perth. It was hot and humid here, and then we had what could only be described the mother of all electrical storms. Like yeah. four people got knocked down, you know, like it was bonkers, right? Yeah. It is, there's no, we don't just have a thunderstorm. No. It's like ACDC playing above your house, right? <laughs> <laughs> all night. Like and, then, was, and then you like look out the window one minute, it's it, normal, and then you look out, literally you could be like two seconds later, and there's like cars floating down the if we get a plague of locusts like you know you know that it's like it is very biblical in this yeah. country it's like yeah. floods it wasn't that long ago we were talking to lou up in you know port macquarie and she was on fire you know it's the land of floods fires and and yeah. drought you name it it's yeah. all going on here it is it is crazy stuff and you know not to mention all the snakes and spiders and sharks and all yeah. that and we'll get to as well. <laughs> Like, why do we live here? <laughs> you know, no, no wonder we all suffer from addiction and take shit on the weekends because <laughs> yeah. we're all terrified. Anyway, all right. Um, now we are rolling into another week and um, we are jumping back across the ditch or the pond again. We have got an amazing guest joining us today. It's funny how these things come come to come into our lap through people get in contact with us and they say look I've got a friend that's done this and done that and this is no exception and uh, we have a guest joining us today her name is Ariel and uh, she is down near Huntingdon Beach in Orange County and through friends of a friends of a mutual friend we've someone reached out to us and said I think Ariel would make an amazing guest to come on your podcast so please welcome to the show Ariel how are you this morning darling I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's a privilege and an honor to be here joining you from Huntington Beach. Um, the weather, the weather is rainy here, not sunny California, but I'm old too. So I'm like, as I just said, good morning. Of course, it's not morning in California, is it? It's afternoon. And yeah. So, anyway. afternoon. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. So this, this, podcast is basically we haven't had much of a chance to chat before we came on but it's basically all about 
based around all things of addictive behavior. Um, and that could be anything from drugs, alcohol, gambling, food, sex, you name it, pornography. We try and yeah. cover as many different bases as possible. Each and every one of us has had our own battles with addiction, um, me included, um, and, and Amy. And, um, you know, and what we try and do, and I'm a hairdresser, Amy works in the media industry, and we try and get this message out to as many people as possible within the hairdressing, barbering, media worlds. And it's gone way beyond that now, DJs and you name it. Um, because this is just bigger than all of us. Addiction affects, there, is, there are no boundaries, and it affects each and every one of us. And so we're really excited to chat to you today. So what we usually do with all of our um, guests up on the show is take us back, because I should say, I should point out as well that you run an amazing detox um, centre, detox and rehab in Orange County called The Road to Recovery. But I know that your personal journey has not, has been a difficult one to say the least um from what i understand so why don't you take us back and, and tell us how it, you know where'd you grow up how did it all begin yeah absolutely um so i grew up in washington state um not to be confused with washington dc um and i had a fairly good upbringing um my father was never really in the picture um uh, so I've met the black side of my family just a few times. Um, so from a young age, I felt that I didn't fit in. You know, other people in my family didn't look like me. Um, I used to tell my mom, Lisa, give me back to whoever you stole me from. I'm adopted. So from a very, very young age, I just felt that I didn't fit in. And I remember having my first drink. I struggled with addictions before I ever took a drink. Um, I loved to steal things, anything that wasn't like bolted down. I just loved that thrill, that feeling that it gave me. Um, but uh, I had my first drink around the age of nine. I, I stole it. Um, you know, I'm not original. <laughs> I like snuck into the cabinet and uh, stole it. And I remember the way that it made me feel. It just made me feel like warm and fuzzy and probably <laughs> the size of Clive. I just felt like I was a big dude and yeah. I was strong and brave. <laughs> and uh, I wanted that feeling. I wanted that feeling forever. Uh, when it didn't really, I didn't start like drinking regularly until about middle school. I was that... <laughs> girl that would bring like the water bottle full of vodka and um, I would always get into fights and always get knocked out and I'm like why does this keep happening you know but um, every time I have that liquid courage I'm just like f you f you I might fuck you or all of the things and uh, I, I um I find myself in trouble um high school I really realized that I started like you know Getting drunk and loaded, not the way that other people my age do. It started to become a problem. Um, and um, I started stealing a lot more. Um, and after high school, things were like a blur. You know, it just went by super quick. I would say, I think it was 22, I got my first DUI. And um, I had never had a problem with being honest about being drunk and loaded. Um, I got pulled over going... Ar Ariel, seven. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry to jump in. What's what's a UI? A DUI. Um, drunken a driving. A DUI, sorry. Driving, driving under, under, the, under the influence. influence. Yeah, yeah. One of those. Right. So. One of those. <laughs> okay. One of those. Just one of those. That okay. Yeah, that old yeah. thing. I yeah, did yeah. another one. Um, a month later, I ended up getting another one. And, um, you know, I realized that it was a problem. And uh, I... I don't know, sidebar, I'm furthering my education and in hopes of being a probation officer because um, I want to help people. But after the second DUI, I get thrown into the justice system like the loop. And um, I just believe there's not enough help. There's not enough resources there for people that are clearly struggling, um, that are clearly drinking to die. You know, um, there were so many points where it wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't a solution. It wasn't, it wasn't cute anymore, you know, and, um, I was drinking to die, you know? Um, and I dabbled in other drugs. I would say that heroin stole my soul. Um, it truly did. Alcohol was just always there in the picture and easily accessible, you know? Um, I, um, so after the second DUI, excuse me, um, you know, I got assigned to a probation officer and I was shipped across the U.S. going to different treatment centers and um, I just wasn't ready, you know. I wasn't ready 
they would hand me like a relapse prevention packet. And uh, as soon as I'm out those doors, I'm not fumbling around looking for that packet. Like I'm just getting drunk. And uh, again, just back into the justice system, which is, it's truly sad. Yeah. You know, there's so many people that are just lost in the justice system. And I don't think that there's enough resources available for a lot of people. You, know, you see a lot of homeless people in the U.S. and a lot of people are like, oh, there's help for them. There's really not. There's really not that much help for them, you know, um, especially people that don't have insurance. Um, all of the state funded places are incredibly overwhelmed. Um, and with fentanyl becoming rampant, uh, we see a lot of people die, you know, Um it's interesting. If I can jump in there, we, we interviewed yeah. a, a gentleman from Venice, California called Jason Schneidman, who does haircuts for the homeless. And he was talking about the homeless situation in, in and around Venice. And I know it's pretty, you know, a lot of people that are homeless tend to gravitate towards California because of the climate. Um, sure. But he was saying that the mental institution you know, the, the mental health side of things got shut down from the 80s. And so there's literally nowhere for people to go. Yeah. And a lot of these like medical detoxes mm. that are yeah. state ran, um, the list of, you know, the list, the wait list of people trying to get in is just miles long. Oh, call back Thursday, you know, hopefully they're alive by Thursday. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, in, it's incredibly sad. Um, but uh and I've learned more just with like the connections that I've made and the resources that I've made. There's scholarship programs for people, um, but just getting that word out there. Not only not a lot of people are have phones or have internet or things like that. But um, so yeah, I toured the United States um, on my insurance plan um, because I went to all these different rehabs. Yeah. Um, Tennessee was by far my favorite. Um, I love the Southern hospitality. Um, but yeah, I just was not ready. I was not ready to get sober or stay sober. Um, you know, and my family was completely done with me. Um, I just like seeing the look on my mother's face, my little brother's face, like I was an alien. I was a complete alien. And, um, I found myself like right before I got sober, I found myself sitting in a laundry room in San Diego with a bunch of quarters, nowhere to go, no one to call. And I just kept putting quarters into this dryer, trying to stay warm, um, you know, because it was raining. And I was like, what the hell? It's California. Like, wow. it's supposed to be sunny. I, I, My best thinking left me to call treatment centers, you know. And I had a place scholarship me um, because I was 27 and I no longer had my mom's insurance. And um, this treatment center came and picked me up. And when I got there, they were not nice to me at all. And I was like, so confused. They asked me like, why do you look like you smell bad? And I was like, excuse me, where is my therapist? Where's my case manager? Like, are you going to feed me? And um, they were not nice to me. And like, thank God they weren't, you know, like, all the other places I had been to, like, coddled the fuck out of me. Oh, it's okay. You just drink because your daddy wasn't there. Or, like, oh, it's okay. Like, all the things. Like, just coddled the fuck out of me. And, um, you know, thank God those people were, like, super mean to me. But they, they asked me, like, straight up questions. Um, they were like, you're probably going to drink again and you're probably going to die. And all of a sudden, like, I'm super offended. And I'm like, ah, no. But, um. You know, all of my previous experiences up to that point have proven so. <laughs> and so they told me, like, I better, like, go to 12-step meeting and all of the things. And uh, I was mm. super reluctant, but they took me. And um, I drank the Kool-Aid, and my life has changed. And, yeah, I'm just super grateful. Um, you know, the Kool-Aid tastes really good. I continue to drink it. And I... Around like six months sober, I got offered a job working graveyard at a rehab and uh, I had hated rehab and I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back there. I didn't want to work there either, you know, um, but um, I said yes and slowly but surely like I got moved up to swing shift and then I got moved up to day shift and then um, my manager, the the big boss lady, she, uh, she was sober herself seven years. She... OD'd and she passed away. And 
my the owner of the company was like look i need you to run this place you know and i like i felt kind of guilty but like this woman angela she had taught me everything i knew she taught me everything i knew and um i just wanted to make her proud and i continue with that mindset like i just want to make her proud and i just want to help people and that's the place i'm at now and i've been right I've been there for four and a half years and I just love, um, I love seeing people come in young, old, skinny, fat, white, black, like all of them, um, Mm -hmm. that are afflicted and just trying to tell them the same thing. You know, why do you look like you smell bad? No, um, just like asking them these questions, like, are you ready to stop? You know, um, and a lot of them aren't. And I would say that's the heaviest taxing, like most taxing part yeah. of the work. Yeah. I said a lot of them aren't ready. Yeah. And um, the trend that I've seen just in the past couple of years is that the faces are getting younger and younger and younger, wow. you know, and the fentanyl stuff is just, it's out of this world. You know, I went to a funeral for one of my clients um, a month ago and a part of me, like, this is going to sound fucked up, but it's hard for me not to be selfish. Like, what would my mom say up there? You know, or like, what would my brother mm. say up there? I get kind of sucked up and think about me. Um, but like, what genuinely, what would she say? Um, it just makes me grateful for like the blessed fact of my sobriety and the work that I get to do. And the success stories that I do see um, yeah. from people that come in, but it's, it's a vicious killer. Mm. Mm. it's a vicious yeah yeah and 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 we when we were speaking to jason as well he was talking about the homelessness obviously in california but the the fentanyl situation over in the u.s is just unbelievable i mean we we obviously you know like we see a lot of that stuff through you know social media and stuff like that maybe on the news sometimes but it's not the same here in terms of that. Like we don't have that problem. We've got other issues here, for example, like meth, yeah. you know, um, that's that's quite quite a big issue here. And I think probably it's because it's cheap yeah. and accessible. And I guess maybe that's the same yeah. issue over in the US. But do you did you see a lot more of those, um, you know, people who are addicted to that coming through now than any other substance? Is that what you what were you absolutely what you meant or absolutely yeah? Wow. I mean, there's not. I did heroin when it was like Kurt Cobain cool. Like nobody does heroin anymore. They're yeah. like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, I'm really feeling my age. Yeah. But um, no, mostly it's. Um, it's just fentanyl and a lot of meth. I think the two go hand in hand. It's either meth, fentanyl, or alcohol. And yeah. um, a lot more, we have yeah. more male clients, so we're a co-ed facility. Um, we have a lot more male clients. Um, I can speak for myself as a as a woman, you know. Um, sorry, Mom, if you're listening to this. I did a lot of things that would keep me drunk and loaded. Um, so we see a lot more male males yeah. come through. Um but yeah, the fentanyl really took over, I would say, right before COVID. Right, and, right. Um, we do a lot of, like, we have a lot of clients that AMA, you know, they leave against medical advice when I was one of those. We supply each of them with Narcan. Um, you know, it's not, I've been narcan It's not a pleasant experience um, at all. It's What is like, that then? Um, so Narcan, so it is, it's like a nasal spray. Um, and basically it's a overdose reversal drug. So, uh, right. we have right. supplied Narcan to all of our facility has supplied Narcan to, um, most of the, the schools in our district and, um, to the college that I go to. Um, but we are, we're tied with the state, um, with this Narcan program. So we're able, we have a plethora, so we're able to give it out, um, and yeah, so we we just try to give it to people. And Ariel, did you just say the school system? Yeah. Did you say the school system, system has yes. got? Wow. Yeah. So it's like it's overdosing in the schools as well. Yes. Yes. So I have a really wow. good friend yeah. of mine. Um, he works at an adolescent facility, and um, I was able to go in and you know share like this, you know, um, share with some of the the adolescents there, and you know they've got kids from like thirteen to you know eighteen. 
And um, I was chatting with this girl, you know, and she was 16 and she had told me she OD'd already like 10 times, you know, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, you are someone's daughter, you are someone's big sister, like, you're so young, you know, you are so young. And what kind of humbled me because like people told me that when I was that age, and I just didn't hear it. Mm. I'm sitting listening to this, and obviously I find it quite terrifying. But I'm, you know, I'm, I just turned fifty-five recently, and those of you that are my my um, geriatric age would remember yeah. the film *Pulp Fiction*, yeah, where John Travolta and I can't remember the Winona. female actress where she oh, ODs Uma Thurman. That's right. Emma Thurman, and he gets the big needle and sticks it right through mm-hmm. her chest to reverse the mm-hmm. the overdose, which is the kind of thing that mm-hmm. I remember. Um, as where now you tell me it's in a nasal spray because it's got so such an epidemic. Just, just talk me through this. And thanks for sharing, by the way, because my mind's going, and I'm sure Amy's is, I think Amy said as well, we don't get exposed to the fentanyl thing. I remember watching the, the, the documentary or the, the the dramatization of the, um, oxycodone, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, with I the, saw that with as the, well. With the Purdue family, mm-hmm. so which basically drug dealers in ponytails going around selling to doctors, yeah. which I think has escalated the whole situation yeah. in America. But can you explain to me what fentanyl is? Sure. Because I really don't know. Like, so I, I know that we've spoken on previous episodes where I know a friend of mine, through a, a family friend, his brother went to Seattle to a music festival. He thought he bought cocaine and it turned out to be fentanyl and it killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then Jason was explaining that, you know, in the in the high school situation, one of his relatives, her boyfriend had bought cocaine recently and or thought he bought cocaine and it had killed him too. So mm-hmm. is are people searching for fentanyl? Uh, are they wanting to buy fentanyl or is it just you're buying something and then it's killing you? Can you explain a bit about sure, that? Sure, absolutely. So fentanyl is basically it's a compound um, and a lot of a lot of people and the forms that I've seen. So when people come into our facility, we search every nook and cranny um, just for their safety and we search all of their clothing, everything, wash everything Um but the forms that I've found that I've seen look like just a regular pill, just a regular pill. So we've got these dealers that are pressing them, like pressing pills. Um, it can be cut into things. You know, I had wow. an older gentleman um, who came in and he was like, nope, I only use meth. And like his UA showed fentanyl, you know, so it's in everything. Wow. There's fentanyl and marijuana, you know, sprinkled in there or if it's in the same container, you know, um, so, but yeah, so fentanyl is an opiate. Um, so yeah. you have like yeah. a, you have heroin, right? Pretty strong opiate. So I, I'm not a doctor or scientist. Um, it's like 10 times or 50 times stronger um, than, heroin. than heroin. Wow. Yes. So, and the way that it works, so the, I do know this part. Um, so it takes like two grains of salt, the amount of two grains of salt to kill a person. That's it. <gasps> Shit. That's it. Wow. Yes, that's it. So, um, and like when these dealers or lowball drug dealers, whatever, are cutting their drugs, right? It's like you're making a batch of cookies, right? You have chocolate chips. And Mm -hmm. not every cookie is going to have six chocolate chips. You're going to have one that has extra chocolate chips, one that has maybe three. You know, so it's really such a gamble with the drug system or like the the purchasing system. Like you don't Mm -hmm. really know. And like, I've seen gas stations, smoke shops, you know, all the places here, um, you know, and they sell fentanyl test strips. But, you know, me getting drunk and loaded myself, I'm not going to test it before I do it. I'm just going to do it, you know. And my head tells me, like, it's not going to be me. You know, I'm not going to OD. I'm going to be fine. I'm not one of those, you know. And we see that Mm. happening, you know. And some people Mm. don't come back from the Narcan, the first one or the second one or the third one. Shit. Um, people that are trying wow. it for the first time, wow. people that you're at a concert and you buy cocaine, right? And it's fentanyl because it's a lot cheaper than cocaine. Like our drug dealers are not our friends. They really don't care. They're just trying to make the buck. Um, yeah. yeah, so fentanyl, super strong opiate. 
it's white. It looks mm -hmm. like a powder. You know, it can be pressed. It can be put into anything. I heard somebody say it's only a matter of time before fentanyl is in alcohol. Like, Fuck. you just never know. Whoa. You just never know. Gosh. You know, and it makes me super grateful <sighs> that I'm sober when I never dabbled in that. Mm. So it's a man, it's a man-made opiate. Yeah. So is it like yeah. say heroin comes from the the poppy seeds, right? This is a purely man-made um, drug that's, Correct. and this is where I guess that the the, the cost of it is Correct. cheaper, and it's working its way into so many different. And you know the the mm -hmm. thought of it making its way into alcohol is, mm -hmm. I mean, as you say, it's only a question of time. People are, are fueled by greed and money, right? Yeah. So yeah. they don't care what what the outcome is. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. That's scary. It scares. Yeah. I mean, me and Clive talk about this in most episodes, but we've both got young daughters. So my daughter's 12, just turned 12. Um, how old's, how old's Lulu now? She's 14. She's 13. 13. 13 yeah. yeah. And, you know, they're just um, about like they're both in high school, um, you know, and you worry about these things at that age, like what they're going to get exposed to. Or, you know, you just hope that you've done a good enough job as a parent <laughs> to like protect them. But I guess, you know, like if you look back on your life at that age, like when you started drinking or, you know, was there? I guess there's nothing really that a parent can do if you've made the decision that you're going to do that. Right. No, I mean, my mom, like, she had her own struggles when I was very young. Um, and fortunately, I don't have any recollection of my mother being drunk and loaded um, by the grace of God. And, you know, she tried the best with what she had. You know, she did the best that she could. And uh, that's why I think, like, I was an addict or an alcoholic before I even picked up that first one, you know. And there's so many debates about, oh, it's genetic or, oh, it's a choice or, oh, it's, but you just never really know. You just never really know. And even with the mm -hmm. public here, like we, we have hosted like Narcan training open to the public, just trying to like raise awareness. Um, and you can go to a pharmacy here in the U.S. Um, in some selective states and uh, go to the pharmacy and say, I would like Narcan and they will give it to you. You know, you don't have to be a user or abuser. You can just say, I want Narcan and they'll give it to you just because it's such right. an issue. Um, and I yeah, keep right. it everywhere. You know, just last year, I um, it was we were in the middle of a heat wave and um, I ran to the grocery store just to pick up some things for dinner. And I saw this brand new Audi, super nice in Newport Beach, um, which is like a bougie area and yep. um fashion mall yes very and um something you see on the, the tv when you watch things about california but um i went there and um the car was off and i saw someone sitting in there and all the windows were up and you know that feeling getting in your car after a hot day i mean right now um yeah. and uh, i went to the store and the gentleman was still in there and he was kind of slumped over and um i ended up calling the paramedics um, I opened the door, checked his pulse, and his skin stayed white. And I was, like, shocked, you know? Um, and he had been dead for 12 hours from an overdose in his car. Uh, yeah. And I was like, I have Narcan. I'm ready, wow. you know? And they had just told me, like, ma'am, it's too late. You know, it's too late. But, it again, this disease doesn't care, you know? It doesn't care if you're rich or if you're poor, if you live in a nice area, if you don't, you know? Um and especially like the way that it just affects people around you, you know, or the, the innocent bystander, you know. Um, and again, like in that moment, I was selfish, you know, how would I want to be found? How, mm. you know, like who, who would be looking for me? Mm. Who would find me? You know, and it really just makes me feel so small in this world that's so big, you know. But what can I do in this world, you know, yeah. that will make a big change, is, is it, you know. What can isn't I that do? a profound situation when you talk about a brand new Audi yeah. obviously you buy you buy a brand new yeah. Audi because you want to look yeah. good right you want to feel good you want to yeah you know your neighbors down yeah. the street go oh you know, Clive's got a new car yeah. right um yeah. and yet yeah. never in your wildest dreams did you think you'd be fined outside of yeah. Albertsons or something in Fashion Island dead in your new car yeah yeah it's just yeah, by just some random wow. girl, you know? Yeah. 
And, like, there was so many, like, the parking lot was full. They told me, like, the paramedics had told me, like, he's been dead for 12 hours. And I'm like, so no one, nobody stopped for this man. No one. When, like, I don't know, in that moment, I was like, is it odd or is it God? Like, God, what are you trying to yeah. show me? And yeah. I called my mom after and I was like, I love you so much, Lisa. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm super grateful. I'm sober right now. Okay, bye. You know, and she's yeah. like, what yeah. the fuck? But yeah. um, it's just, yeah. life is so quick. Yeah. It's so quick. It's crazy. And yeah. So how, how long have you been sober now altogether then? Is it five, four and a half, five years? Five years. So I took, yeah. I... I turned five on February 5th. Yes. Oh, yeah. congratulations. congratulations. Five on five. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, I'm like, what is that's this? Amazing. My, my sensitive year. I mean, I have cried so many times this year. I'm like, why? Everything is great. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Early yeah. sobriety. Early sobriety is like puberty. Like your body is changing. Your mind is changing. What do I do with my hands and feeling all these things? I've I've just noticed, you know, like the clarity year after year. Um, and it's just crazy. Like it, time goes by so quickly. And uh, it's just crazy. Like yeah, it does. to think like I, my whole twenties was basically drunk my whole twenties and we're 30, we're flirty, we're thriving, we're five. Like life is just so good today, you know, and I don't know. I never mm. thought I'd be able to have so mm. much fun in sobriety. I'm a big advocate on fun and sobriety. Um, it's funny that you do hair because I went like it was like the day before my like anniversary. I was like going through it mentally and I just chopped my hair off. And I was like, oh, my God, why? Why did I do that? Why? And then I got asked <laughs> to do this. And I was like, oh, God, he does hair. He's going to judge me. Um <laughs> No, um, no, so this is You're fake. All good. I, bought You're all good. I bought it just for this. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> just kidding. I was going to say, I was like, that looks so good. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you. I'm a, I'm a woman with many talents. No, but um, I've just had so much fun in sobriety. And um, just because I'm sober, life doesn't mean like it's all like rainbows and orgasms and fun. Um, but um, I've had to work harder for the fun um, the longer I've stayed sober. Um, I don't know. Raw dogging your emotions and raw dogging life is hard. It's super hard, especially after, you know, we see so many people like go back out or relapse or whatever it is, or people die. Um, I just, I'm reminded of all the beautiful things, all the beautiful reminders. And one of them, especially is my work um, and watching people come in and they look like they just look tore up from the floor up. And then by the time they leave, they're like, not malnourished anymore they're they're fed they're healthy and they're mm. smiling the sober smiles just yeah. warm my heart mm. like they just warm my heart and the laughs mm. like the laughter is mm. it's the most beautiful. I, I love that yeah. saying you just said tore up from the floor up i've just written that tore down up from the floor from up, the floor up. <laughs> that is so good and i yeah, and... beat up from the feet yeah, up. yeah. <laughs> brilliant <laughs> That's so true. And congratulations. I, I understand you got married recently as well. Is that correct? I did. So I got married in June. Um, I got married in June. Aww. It's real. Yay! It's real. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Beautiful. Married. I went home. I went home to get married. Um, yeah, me and my husband, we we play ice hockey together. I don't know. Is hockey a thing in Australia? No. Not really, but it does have, although no. saying that my wife does have a friend that is a mad hockey fan and there is a very, there's a bit of a following here in Sydney, but it's not like you get in us in, in America. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah. 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 We play, it's a lot of fun. There's, there's just something. So we play on a co-ed league and I play separate on a women's league. The women are fierce. <laughs> They're fierce. Okay? I love it. They are but the co-ed league, like, there's just something that feels so good about, like, laying out a grown man yeah. who's just, just knocking him over. It just feels so good. So Brilliant. we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun playing. Um, yeah, I'm continuing my education. I I had a complex going back to school. I was like, I'm going to be older than everyone there. And then I was like, well, I don't give a shit. Uh, so I went back to yeah. school. I just finished um, my last full semester at junior college. And I... 
applied to Cal State Long Beach, which is scary, you know, but I want to help people. I love the job that I have now. I love it. But career wise, I would love to grow and I want to be, I want to work in some form of correction um, just to be able to help people because we see a lot of people, Mm -hmm. oh, you get drunk, you get caught drunk driving, you go to jail. And then what happens? They get released from jail and they do it again. Um, so if I could be there yeah. and be that tiny little change mm. or just try, just but, try. Um, do you think that's a gift of recovery? Like, I think I know that that's certainly prevalent in my life when I've, when you get something back, it's, it's, I mean, I'm part of a 12 step program and, and one of those steps at the end is you've got to help someone else. You've got to get, share that message and you give back and, um, you take what you've learned to share it with and to guide someone else. And I think when you get something so much back, like as you explained, your heroin took your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, when you've and now, now look, congratulations, yeah. by the way, you know, from, from going from, from going Thank you. through that. And we always put, Amy always comes up with some great captions for our social I've media. I've always just been and, thinking about it. Whilst and I'm, I'm like, I was putting quarters in the dryer <laughs> to stay warm, and I'm like, "There's a good one, right?" And her- heroin took my soul. Yeah. Then you know, yeah. you've been so open yeah. with us, and it's been amazing. And then, and you know, I did have a bit of a, a, a um, what's the word, without sounding creepy, but a bit of a um, skit through your social media, which I saw the ice hockey. You know, I thought yeah. I need to learn a little bit about you, and I thought, "Oh, you got married recently," and it's like I'm like, mm-hmm. "What?" And I, and I just was like. You look so happy, right? You look yeah. so happy in your pictures. And when I hear your story, which is why we didn't talk too much at the beginning, because I wanted to hear it mm-hmm. for the first yeah. time. Yeah. And yeah. by giving, I think we all get to that point where you go, when you've got so much time back, and we really do. Like I, I'm going to jump around a bit because I do this all that my brain yeah. is like a box of frogs. <laughs> but, you know, my some friends of mine had a big birthday this past weekend and um they were all going out and I do some ocean swimming and then most of my swim group was missing because they were they were really hung over yeah. I mean they're not all on the same path as yeah. me and <laughs> and not that I'm judging them at all because I wish I was I wish I was with them and had a good time too but I yeah. just I'd still I wouldn't be doing this podcast mm-hmm. on a Tuesday morning yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> But one of the things that I am very I'm reminded of, especially on the weekend, was that I spent so much of my time, which I can't remember, as you said, I don't remember my twenties or your thirties, mm-hmm. um, and I'm fifty five now, and I do not waste want to waste another day, not being present, mm-hmm. and to and yeah. one of the biggest fears that people have when they decide to get sober or if they choose, you know, they want to get sober is they fear that they're going to lose so much, they feel like they're going to lose that feeling of being funny or when it gets stops being funny they're going to feel that you know who's going to like them and all those insecurities and you are a great advocate for that and to go and go back to school and to go want to help people it's an amazing test it's a legacy and congratulations Mm. it's 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 awesome to hear you speak like that and 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 it's amazing it really is and I, i i wanted to ask you just going back slightly you, you spoke a lot about like when you had those moments where you'd gone into the programs and it didn't really work because you wasn't really ready. How did you know, like, what was the feeling? What was the difference between those times and the time when it was like, I'm done. This mm-hmm. is the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I, I feel like it was divine intervention. Like I, the homeless people had shunned me and I was like, okay, (laughs) like the homeless people wanted nothing to do with me. And I'm like, I'm the prettiest one here. Um, So they didn't want anything to do with me. I, I had no more good ideas. I had no, I was just out of hustle. I was tired. I was completely out of hustle and I was completely hopeless. I was like, no one cares if I live or die. And I don't care if I live or die, but I was too pussy to do anything about it. And I just, I just knew like, and my soul, like my soul was just tired. I was like, I cannot successfully continue to get loaded and I can't see my life successfully sober, but I'm just in Mm -hmm. this gray space. And 
I'm just tired. I have no more good ideas. I have no mm -hmm. fight left, you know, no drive left to mm -hmm. keep trying to run the show. And yeah. Do you find, do you find that in, by working in doing the work you do now in the rehab, um, do you see, like, I, I can remember clearly a friend of ours that I, we was really just in, in, the, in the middle of COVID was, was at a point with their alcoholism that they were going to die. And we mm -hmm. took them to a private rehab, which mm. was, was a very expensive process. And they lasted four days. Absolutely. You must see a bit of that coming where people are just not yeah. ready. And I guess having your experience mm. and where, where I'm going with this is, is imagine you say you get 20 people coming in the week. You must get to Thursday and think, fuck, I'm not telling my story yeah. again. Yeah. No, literally. literally. <laughs> like you, you, either, you either want to do this or you don't. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I'm not fucking putting up with this yeah. anymore. I would, say, I would say the hardest part of my job is listening to people call their parents. The hardest part. Because they're like, Mom, I need a pack of cigarettes or I'm leaving this place. And I'm right. like, Oh <laughs> my god. My mother my mother would beat my ass. Like the way these people yeah. talk to their families. But no, it yeah. is like watching like the revolving door, watching people come in and you kind of gauge you can kind of see I kind of cater how I talk to each person because you can kind of tell. I'm like Hey Clive, what? How many treatment centers have you been to? Yeah. Oh, 43. Okay, do it or don't. You don't want to be here. I'll pack your bags for you. Kind of like that. Um, and I tell them like, look, someone is dying to be in the literally dying to be in the bed that you're yeah. in. If you don't want to be here, leave. So I'm kind of the warden there, the mm. wicked witch. You know? yes. But like somebody's got to yeah. be like, yeah. just like those people had told me like the hard <laughs> truth. I tell people the hard <laughs> truth. Some people don't like it, but some people yeah. it's helped. And I don't change myself mm. for anybody. I don't. Yeah. It is. This is what you. You can't. And you, you can't get. save everybody, right? That's no. one of the things mm. that. When that was one of the things when in early on in sobriety, and you, you mentioned it earlier, it's a bit like puberty. You're learning things. Like I wanted to go out and st tell everyone. It's like getting an ice bath. You know, yeah. you just want yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> tell tell everyone that you know what you're doing, and you want to save everyone. But yeah, um, I've recently, and I don't know if we can keep this in. But I'll go with it, and Emmy, you might have to take it out. But I've recently had someone close to me that um, that has struggled with with alcohol um uh for a long time and i've done everything within my power to to help them taking them to meetings i've gave them a job you know i've done you name it i've i've extended the olive branch if you could mm -hmm. say and of course and there was a there was a few and i'm saying this because this is guided towards hairdressers yeah. barbers and whatever and this was and um so I, I i helped this person and they went off the rails about six, seven months ago, and I said to them, right, this is the last chance, but this will happen again. I know, I said, out of all the bosses that you've had, um, I'm probably the most understanding, but this will happen again. I know it will happen again for a fact, unless you get help, yeah. mm -hmm. and I can't make you do it. Um, what advice would you give to someone like me dealing with, and, and I say that because, They've, we've sort of part, had to part company recently and I've been getting the 2.30, we've been getting, my, my, my team and I have been getting the 2.30 a.m. rants about the, you know, you talk about, I, and what reminded me of this was that, mum, if you don't give me a pack of cigarettes, I'm walking out mm. of here. And mm -hmm. um, one of my team members came up to me and said, did you get that rant this morning at 2.30? And I just said, you need to understand they're not well, mm -hmm. right? And you mm -hmm. can't, don't buy into it. Yeah. But you just at two thirty in the morning, no one's making a good decision. Yeah. And my and my boss, my my old boss, listens to this podcast. I'm, I know friends of mine that we used to work to, and they had a rule with me, and it was like if they they they're in California, and they said when I saw the email coming at two thirty, Clive, we just used to delete it because no good was coming from it. Yeah. But what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they did persevere with me, and I'm very thankful mm. for that. Um, they didn't give up on me. But what advice would you give to someone like me? who's got someone mm -hmm. that's going through that and they just can't yeah. get it. That's heavy. Two things, two things, pray, pray, just pray. Yeah. 
And the second, yeah. as hard as it is, um, just continue to lead by example. Because really, that's all we can do. And it's yeah. just like a different level of powerlessness, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure like, just like my mom used to see, like, I just want to grab mm-hmm. her. I just want to grab her and wrangle her. But she's just got to lead by example. Like, she has to let what happens, mm-hmm. happens, right? If I wouldn't have found myself in that laundry yeah. room, who knows what would have happened? I could be another statistic or I could be on fentanyl, but it, I just, yeah. I just had to do what I had to do when it's super hard, yeah. but I yeah. can exhaust myself trying to yeah. do all of the different things. But for someone to like, you know, if we try to take people's rock bottom from them, they might not have arrived, you know, and it's super hard. Yeah. It's super mm. hard watching. You know, yeah. um, but all can, we can do is what, just pray. Do you feel like your you know? um, connection with, you know, and again, this is subjective to any to your own feelings, but like that you've mentioned it a couple mm-hmm. of times as well, like divine, God, higher power, whatever it is that you want to call it. You know, we all have our own unique connection, whatever that is. Um, do you think that mm-hmm. has helped during your recovery and, and has your kind of connection or belief increased i'm interested just to know if that oh absolutely uh, yeah i would say a connection with the higher power has been one of the most important parts of my life today um every morning i wake up i just ask this power to guide me throughout the day you know um because my first thought in the morning is me myself and i and how can i be a bitch today and where is my vape i'm always looking for my nicotine yeah i'm like where is it my first thought is me and I, right before I got on here, I was just like, God, help me tell the truth, speak through me. And I don't know, without my higher power, I would be fucked. I would be absolutely fucked. Um, and all of my experiences show that. Like me touring the U.S., you know, drinking or a needle in my arm, all of the things, you know, that is that is when I am my higher power, you know. And the result that I get is trash, you know. It's trash. I run my life into the ground and I need that higher power you know, on a daily basis. And it's definitely like my faith in whatever is out there, you know, um, sorry, auntie, if you're listening to this, you know, I, um, I grew up in a church and I don't know what it was. I, nothing against people that align with a direct faith, but like sitting in a pew with like a bunch of crusty old people and singing like these books, like I did not I did not, it was not for me. It was not for me. And if you go to church, more power to you. Um, (laughs) I just found, I found my higher power in nature. You know, I didn't make that. You know, I know a man didn't go out there and plant all of those trees, you know, Uh, or maybe he did, you know, but some of them are real old, you know, Um, but I just find Mm. my higher power in nature, you know, the ocean, like, how can I, how can I deny that? You know, how can I deny that strength and, You know, um, it has grown the longer I've stayed sober and I just like, I've been through a lot of painful shit and sobriety and thanks to that power, like I haven't found it necessary to pick up a drink or a drug and that's not of me. That's just like proof that something else is out Mm. there, you know? Yeah. 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 Beautiful. It's funny, isn't it? It's so, so prevalent with the ocean and nature. You, you, you see things differently when you get sober. You look up, you always, when you, when you're using and drinking, Mm -hmm. you're always looking down at the floor. Mm. You walk looking down. When you get, when you get clean and sober, you notice it. There's in my driveway the other day, a lily popped up and it's amazing. My daughter and my wife said, wow, look at that flower that's just popped up in our, our driveway. And, you would never have noticed that if if yeah. um, if I was no drinking, way. you know, that would never have been pointed out to me. You know, there's different things that you see around us all yeah. the time that mm. you have yeah. a lot of gratitude yeah. for. Yeah. Can I ask as well then? So obviously with you with your job, um, you know, some people like you said, you know, initially you were like, I don't want to go back mm-hmm. to that place. Like I've already been there, done that, got yeah. the t shirt, yeah. don't want to yeah. do it again. Um but do you think that it may be, does it help keeping you sober? You know, oh, like yeah. watching other people going through this, knowing that you've been there and done that and you're like, I'm oh, never yeah. going back. You know, like, does it make you feel yeah, like that? I mean, it humbles me yeah. for sure. You know, like, especially watching people that come in and they're like, I can't shower. I can't eat. I can't physically do anything on my own. 
And I'm like, I get to help them. Sometimes mm. I don't want to make so-and-so a peanut butter and jelly yeah. sandwich because they're not very nice. But, like, I'll do it. And it, like, it it helps me. And yes. it helps me just, like, yeah. seeing it physically. I'm like, holy shit, this guy is beat up from the feet up. And um, it helps and some people, we do get people that come back a lot. Yeah. They're like, oh, this place is the place that like helps me. And I'm like, are we helping you? This is number 15. Don't come back here. I don't want to see you again. Um, but some people are like, this is like where my heart is. And um, so it's tough watching like the revolving door. But I love, just love watching people. Like, because we take a picture of them when they come in. And I always show them when they leave. I'm like, look at this. This was you. Like, I don't know. We're like monkey see, monkey do. And when monkey sees, we're like, oh God, you know? <laughs> so it's like a, it's like a treat for them. It's like a makeover for them. And how, how long do they stay with you, Ariel? So it depends. And what's the average st- duration of a stay? Yeah, average duration is about 30 days. 30 days. Yeah. 30 days. Yeah. So yeah. their first week, they're on like meds and stuff. So we keep them there. And then after their first week, we take them to different meetings, like 12 set meetings, stuff like that. Um, we take them on outings. We take them to the gym, just trying to like integrate them back into society. You know, this is what normal yeah. people do, yeah. you know, like slowly yeah. but surely, yeah. you know, because it's super yeah. foreign to them. It's like a crash course to real life, you know hey, we're waking up, we're making our beds, this is what we're doing, you know, and watching, like, I don't know, I have to follow like the same routine, you know, because if I don't do that, you know, I can't expect, you know, to tell these people to do it, Mm. and then them not do it as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could talk to your kind of your younger self, your very young nine, 10, 11 year old, who was thinking about having your first drink, like, is there anything you would say to her? Are you, would you do it differently if you had another chance? Or would you, oh, you're happy that, well, not happy that you had to go through all that, but like it's obviously part of your life path because now you're able to actually understand these people and the world needs people like mm-hmm. you. You know, some people that go into those kind of jobs, if they, Correct. you know, if they've never been addicted, how do you know? How do you know what this person's going mm-hmm. through? You know, but you've lived it, you've, been at the bottom and you've lived it and and you I guess it are one of those people that that they need they need you you know so would you change anything looking back looking back I would tell her God doesn't call the qualified God call, qualifies the called and I wouldn't change anything just because mm. Everything has happened for a reason and I wouldn't be where I am today without some of those experiences. I would never want to go through my 20s again. I would never want to go through puberty again. You know, that was, I would just, no, I would just leave it the way it was. I was super awkward and super weird. And I, it wasn't the easiest on the eyes and I would just rather just leave that the way it was. But no, I wouldn't change a single thing. I wouldn't. I just wish I would have told some of my friends that I loved them, the ones that aren't here. Mm. But that's about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, actually, because I, um, on the weekend, my daughter has homework and she said to me, Dad, can you help me with this? I'm doing this thing on drugs mm-hmm. and alcohol. And she's a very naive 13-year-old. And I went through the workbook with her and it was a series of questions of, you know, alcohol, does it make you relax when you drink alcohol? And all these questions, and she was like, she's never drunk alcohol, um, which she admitted to me that she'd never drunk it. She said, and then one of the questions was, which one of these is an illicit drug? And it said, alcohol, marijuana, so it isn't an illicit drug. Alcohol, marijuana, uh, ice, and MDMA. Mm. And I, And she said, I don't know what any of those are, yeah. right? And uh, she said, I know what alcohol is, but I don't know what any of those other things are. Mm. And there was that moment as a parent yes, and you just forever. go, oh, I just want to keep you <laughs> wrapped up so safe. Yeah. And I yeah. just <laughs> love this moment of this innocence. Mm. And, you know, this, the, the comedy side of me was like, well, let me tell you all about all four, yeah. right? You know, but, <laughs> uh, um but that wasn't the time or the place. Um, 
And then I fast forward the, the the tape, which is what we do in recovery. And then I just recall back you talking about it won't be long before fentanyl was in alcohol. Mm. And then I'm like, fuck, like, yeah, really? Yeah. Like, without going too political, but we don't need wars to kill ourselves. We just got enough shit going around us every day that's doing a damn good job isn't yeah. it yeah um, but also know. like if you think about what that story you've just said clive right you know like um i think people forget sometimes that alcohol is what it is right up there at one of the top like three most addictive substances so it like, kills, yeah. that was one of the questions it was like what kills more people and it's alcohol exactly <laughs> and the fact that yeah. she, she didn't know the name of all the other drugs or whatever yeah. but she knows alcohol because it's mm-hmm. so ingrained in society and accepted and people yeah. never question it they don't question yeah. that I'm ch- yeah. I'm chatting with someone at the moment that's about to to be a future guest who's an addiction specialist from the big hospital here in Sydney, yeah, and cool. one of the questions in her in her homework was what kills more people, smoking or alcohol? And I'm going mm, uh, alcohol. Like I don't know, I don't know the answer, but I'm yeah. pretty sure that you know I know vaping is quadrupled. Mm. I mean, and and I'm proud to say that after most of my life of smoking, I'm on week nine. <laughs> Oh my god! And I'm trying not to to count, but I know that there's a lot of listeners that want to. Uh, someone messaged me yesterday. Are you still off of it? And I'm like, I have. I am off of it. Well and done. Thank you. And do you know what? And I know that there's a. You talk about there's a time, mm. and there's a like. I Amy will be. She's been with me through most of the, like my nemesis of smoking. Yeah. And. I, uh, she would say to me every week, how are you going with the smoke? So I'm going, yeah. terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. She's like, don't, terrible. don't talk to me about it. Epic <laughs> fucking fail. Like, you know, like, and if you've had the week that I've had, you wouldn't yeah. have to do, you know, I'm you surprised I'm not back on the pipe, you know. Yeah. Um, and, then, <laughs> um, and, and I'm going to, this is going to sound a bit juju, but like, you know, I too have a connection to a higher power since I've been, sober and I get up every morning and I do my prayers and one morning I said just like it says in the 12 steps humbly ask my God of my understanding to remove this from me Mm -hmm. and I thought fuck I've tried everything else right (laughs) I'm just gonna (laughs) and I did I just added it in my prayers I was like right I'm just gonna say can you humbly I humbly ask you to remove this um, desire for me to smoke today Mm. and I'll deal with tomorrow tomorrow yeah, and it's fucking worked. It's like, <laughs> you don't have to give and so, so, so now when I'm doing my morning prayers, I'm like, thank you for, um, you know, for removing it from me today. Can I just keep adding on to the debt here and just go mm-hmm. give me another day? You know, so that's what, what that's what I'm doing. So anyone out there is struggling with the vaping or smoking. Mm. Everyone is different. We've all got our own path, but yeah. it is it's a definitely an inside job. It's up here. Yeah. And there's a time and a place. There's a time and a place when we can go, just like what you did in that laundry Mm -hmm. with the quarters, Mm -hmm. as I did in a puddle. And, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, it's just ready. It's that time. And so thank you so much. Is there, Amy, is there anything else? Or uh, Ariel, is there anything you'd like to finish on? Or I just um, thank you for having me. Oh, it's been awesome. It has been awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's been so. I really, really appreciate it. Just been so open. You know, I think me and Clive can connect to so much of what you've said. Um, and you know, it, it's not. It's not easy. It is not no. an easy path. It's hard. It's a decision you have to make every day. And you know, I think yeah, I think what you're doing now with your life is incredible. And you, and we couldn't be happy for, happier for you. And you've. You know, like look at your life now. You got married, I know. And, you know, <laughs> and you're like starting a new path. It's your yeah. the path is yeah, just con- open in front of you. Congratulations yeah. on the new new beginnings, new study. Yeah. yeah, and you know the easy the easy thing the the one that takes the least amount of effort is to just go out there and drink and use. That's simple. Right? Yeah. yeah, this this shit is hard. Right, yeah. this Raw stuff is it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it requires rigorous honesty. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to finish on this, and that is that I saw something on social media, and it said what you can do in 30 seconds to become more successful. Mm-hmm. And it said write down all the things in your life that you can't control, um, 
and you can't that you can't do anything about right now that you want to change and then write down all the things that you have in your life right now that you don't like but you can change and i was like it's like one of those business dream things on instagram mm. and i was like that's the fucking serenity prayer right there that's <laughs> what they're telling you. Yeah. Yeah. And you and you just yeah. put that into your life as you do like right you can't deal with this right now um mm. but you can and have you know as the serenity serenity prayer says in the 12-step program it's having the wisdom to know the difference about mm. what you can and what you cannot change and what mm. fights you're going to pick today and who you're going to take on and yeah. and that relates to everything I do from this point onwards until I go to bed tonight so yeah, yeah. um thank you and thanks for coming on if we if Amy and I um you know we we have to go over to America to win an award for this podcast we will yeah. definitely come down to hunting a beach <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and uh, if we make it back over to the Star Spangled Banner side, um, yeah. we, we would love to catch up and we'll come and visit the rehab. Yeah, and, by um, well, I'll make and, sure uh, that when we uh, do the show notes, we'll put in a link to mm-hmm. obviously the center so that people can know a little bit more about what you do. Um, yeah. And yeah, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much. You've been listening to Straight Edge, the podcast, and we love that you've been listening to this episode. And we're always looking for future guests to join us on the podcast. So if you or anyone else, your friends or family have been through similar struggles with any form of addiction or recovery, we'd love to hear from you. Just drop us a message on our Instagram page, Straight Edge, the podcast, and we'll get right back in touch with you to have a chat. And talking of social media, if you've enjoyed this or any other of our episodes from season one or two, We kindly ask for you to please help us share the love by sharing our posts and reels with your own network of friends. And lastly, but most importantly, if you could please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This will help us improve our podcast visibility and hopefully attract more listeners from around the world. But most of all, it will attract some more exciting guests that I'm sure you, our audience, would love to hear from. So I'll finish with a big thank you from all of us here, Amy, Lou and myself, Clive at Straight Edge the Podcast. And please stay safe and God bless.